Do not stand by my grave and weep. I am not there. I do not sleep. I am the thousand winds that blow. I am the diamond glints in snow. I am the sunlight on ripened grain. I am the gentle autumn rain. As you awake with morning's hush, I am the swift upflinging rush of quiet birds in circling flight. I am the day transcending night. Do not stand by my grave and cry. I am not there. I did not die. Welcome to the RMBC Life Podcast from Share Cancer Support, dedicated to exploring life with metastatic breast cancer from the perspective of us, the people living with this disease, and the experts who partner with us to help make our lives better. I'm Lisa Laudico, and I'm really glad you're here, since no one should face NBC alone. I'm Nancy Roylance, and I'm one of the senior producers for our NBC Life. Each year, our podcast marks Breast Cancer Awareness Month with a special episode dedicated to all those who died from metastatic breast cancer over the past year. But one podcast can't begin to encompass the true toll of all the lives cut short by this ruthless and terminal disease. Here's the hard truth about metastatic breast cancer, according to advocacy and research organization Metaviver. In the U.S. alone, an estimated 42,360 women and 530 men will die from the disease in 2023. That's 117 each day. And despite the optimism around early detection and prevention that infuses Pinktober and its focus on survivorship, one in three diagnosed with early-stage breast cancer will eventually progress to become metastatic. Only 10% are metastatic at their first MBC diagnosis. This painful and sobering reality that so many of us ultimately develop the kind of breast cancer that kills needs to be included in the annual month-long conversation about breast cancer. Most important, it should help to guide decisions about how breast cancer research funds are allocated. Shockingly, the estimated share of breast cancer research dollars that go to MBC is 5%. And while new treatments are extending survival for many with MBC, the disease is still terminal. We remember is our metastatic breast cancer life's opportunity to channel some of our grief, fear, and anger into advocacy for the attention, support, and research needed to truly put us on the road to a cure. We remember is also an opportunity to give voice to the profound grief we share and to honor and celebrate each person we've lost. Cheers to the ones that we got Cheers to the wish you were here but you're not Cause the dreams bring back all the memories Of everything we've been through Toast to the ones here today Toast to the ones that we lost on the way Cause the drinks bring back all the memories And the memories bring back, memories bring back your I am Victoria Goldberg. Since our premiere episode in July of 2020, metastatic breast cancer has stolen from us our team members, including our founder, Lisa Laudico, a number of guests, and many, many friends. I stopped counting a long time ago, but their faces and our memories of them are always with us. Simply being able to say their names out loud so that their memories live on is a crucial part of honoring the lives they lived and how much they meant and still mean to us. Angela Adams, 
Ann Sieber, Cecilia de Jesus, Eileen Marie Fisher died on December 24, 2022, on Hilton Head Island, South Carolina, a place she loved and called home. She had lived with NBC since 2013. Some would have called her unicorn, and others would have rolled their eyes because her subtype, her two positive, has somehow morphed into a good cancer. And those 10 years of living with the good cancer were not easy at all, especially at the end. Eileen was a close friend, but I saw her only once in person when she and her two wonderful sisters spent a few days in New York. Eileen was one of the first people to answer my call to be a helpline volunteer when I had launched an NBC helpline at Share, And she was by my side through first difficult years, and she always showed up even on the days after her treatment when she wasn't feeling well. She never, ever missed her helpline shift. In the last couple of years, we didn't speak that often. I was busy with the podcast, and Eileen's health had deteriorated. But every time we connected, it was as if no time had passed. I miss Eileen. I miss my friend. A few days ago, I received an email from Eileen's sister, Maggie. It contained the love-filled words of remembrance and a beautiful poem written by Eileen. I had no idea that in addition to her other talents, she was also a talented poet. I have asked my fellow host of this podcast, Dr. Ellen Landsberger, to read the email for us. Here is Alan. Remembering Eileen. We recently lost our sister Eileen to metastatic breast cancer. What an extraordinary woman. Eileen was a crusader for the cause, initially for breast cancer prevention, and then a champion crusader for those diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer. She was her own best advocate navigating through the medical world and researching her options to optimize her life. There is a kinship among metastatic breast cancer patients. They are united forever in the fierce fight for adequate funding for their disease. Eileen supported causes related to metastatic breast cancer awareness, research, and the altered body image associated with the disease. Eileen was very special to all of us. She was an amazing example of living life to the fullest. We remarked after her passing how she taught each of us how to live and how to die. Her end of life was at first filled with tasks and to-do lists. As she progressed, she was with those most dear to her, her family, friends, and pets. We would like to share her poem, Mirrors, with you all. Mirrors. When I look in a mirror, I see a deformity that is hard to explain, a body devastated by disease. I feel odd and different. I am often afraid. When I look to the sky, I see infinite possibilities in the stars, moon, and what lies beyond. I gain strength, courage, and grace, and I am no longer afraid. When I look out at the ocean, I feel small, I gain amazement and tenacity with each wave that crashes to the shore, and I am no longer afraid. When I ground myself on this earth, I see my friends and my family. While they believe I have strength and courage, it is them. They give me these gifts, and I am no longer afraid. I am surrounded by the sky, the earth, and the ocean. I am surrounded by my friends and family, near and far, mirrors everywhere, and I refuse to be afraid. Eileen Fisher, one of many grace goddesses.
Claire Carter, Dorothy Mosen, Erin Delaney Parrish. Hi, this is Kelly with a Y Shanahan, and I met Kelly with an I Davis not too terribly long after I was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer. We joked around about how her parents didn't know how to spell Kelly. She was feisty and so full of life and such a passionate advocate for metastatic breast cancer research, along with the late Lisa Quinn. Kelly started the Northwest Arkansas Metzgerade, the first big fundraising gala to benefit Metaviver, and then proceeded to help people across the country do similar events. Kelly didn't have a science background, but she educated herself about metastatic breast cancer and then educated everyone around her. She was funny and irreverent and beautiful, and her life was stolen far, far too soon by NBC. I miss her, even though she didn't know how to spell our first name. This message is from Susan Alonzo. My daughter Jenny has passed from metastatic breast cancer. She was strong for five years throughout this disease. I will miss her, and she will always be my strong and loving daughter, wife, mother, sister, and aunt. My name is Janice Cowden, and I've been living with metastatic breast cancer for seven years. Today, I would like to honor Cindy Leach. Cindy was a prolific writer, a supporter of many within the metastatic community. She shared her words, often brutally honest, but also supportive and caring. She helped so many others who are living with metastatic breast cancer. Unfortunately, NBC took her life on September 9th, 2023. Today I'll be reading The Garden by Cindy Leach. This was from an interview that she did with Andrew Silver, who has written a documentary play for our lives. And I've had the great pleasure of reading Cindy's words at every performance. For Cindy, I had this beautiful, beautiful garden that went around the arbor in the backyard. It was a gorgeous garden. A river rock border, which I carried every stone. The lemon basil hanging off the edge of the rock. The hollyhocks, tulips almost black against the yellow mums. And the delicate purple lavender. Lots of life. Lots of bees and butterflies. Oh, I was so proud of it. And now, to have to look out the window at how the garden is suffering with me. We're suffering together. As my body gives up, it's all gone to seed. Everything is overgrown weeds and grass. I was such a healthy person. I took care of my body. I was very active, dancing, kayaking, hiking. And still, I have the will to go but I can only go as far as I can look. And I can only look to the garden. The garden, that one hurts quite a bit. I'm sorry, I cry about my garden, but I don't cry about me. I cry about my garden. Yeah, the garden is like my body. It's no longer under my control. And I'm looking at it now. There's frost. It's fall. The leaves are dropping. Life is a cycle. Catherine Haley. Dr. Michelle Avadir, 
Sharon Kidd. This is Jennifer O'Brien, also known as the Hospice Doctor's Widow. I will not soon forget the kindness of Lisa Laudico, who I spoke with several times in preparation for an interview I did with our NBC Life. And then she was the one who interviewed me, and it was a lovely conversation. And she died a couple months after the interview. And I think of her often, and perhaps even more often, I think of her husband, Tony, and I wonder how he's doing, and her sons. We want to assure Jennifer that Tony and the kids are okay. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, Tony stopped by my apartment, and we talked for a few hours about how this last year has been without Lisa. Next month, we will release the full interview. But here is a short clip from our conversation. Every year, as you know, and that was uh, Lisa's idea, I think, in October, which is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Mm -hmm. we get one day, October 13th, we usually, around that day, we do a special in-memoriam episode that mm-hmm. we call We Remember. Mm-hmm. What I would like to know is, looking back, how important this patient advocacy was for Lisa. What do you think did it fulfill her at the end? How you feel about her legacy and what she has yeah. done? Yeah. First and foremost, this was the most important thing to her, patient advocacy, and moving research forward in any way, shape, or form, or finding a cure faster, just making people more aware and more comfortable of what's going on. And it was the most important thing for her, which, as a spouse, was interesting for me, because, you know, everybody's life and marriage completely changes when you get this disease. And part of something I was going through and had to deal with was how much time she was actually spending on the podcast, selfishly, needing her to be with me, needing to be with her as much as possible, while balancing her need and our need to help others through this, right? Getting this off the ground was Lisa's idea. (laughs) She kind of started it from scratch. Oh, yeah. And found amazing people to help her. She's a real people person. Of course, she was. And the fact that you guys have kept this going is something that you should know she is grinning ear to ear right now because that was the thing she wanted most. She was afraid this would die along with her. And part of the reason I'm here today is to thank you and everybody for doing this. And it's taken me about a year to be ready to talk to you guys about what I went through with Lisa and the great stuff she did and how hard it was for me sometimes, right? Going through this, having to balance your needs against the needs of somebody that is actively going through a very difficult and life-ending part of their experience. So balancing that was one of the most difficult things for me. And... One of the best things I ever did, sounds silly, I asked my friend who lost his wife to cancer when Lisa was diagnosed. I don't know if I told you the story. Probably not. (laughs) I sat down with him, and it was literally the week after she was diagnosed. I had lunch with him, and I said, if he could go back three years, which is how long she lived, what would you do differently? And he said something that was simple and profound for me. He said, I wish I was just nicer to her. And he said, sometimes I would just get snappy with her. Sometimes I would just be frustrated or scared and wouldn't know how to deal with it. 
for me, the most important thing during the five years when Lisa was ill was two things for me. One was to just be as nice to her as I could be. Just be nice. <laughs> you know. Did you succeed? Not perfectly, of course not. <laughs> and you knew her. I mean, she wasn't shy about, you know, no, no. <laughs> what I could do better. Not at all. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it focuses people, I think, or at least it focused me on trying to be the best version of myself for her, which is not easy to do during a stressful situation. And then for the kids, I felt my role really changed too, because Lisa was very focused on our kids being okay when she was gone. Mm. And we used to laugh with her all the time. We used to say to her, all right, your perfect death is you would die at noon, we would have a couple of drinks at five, and move on with our lives. We would laugh, and she'd be like, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, I don't want you guys to suffer because of me. And she meant it. She meant it, on the one hand. On the other hand, she was very aware of the limited time she had left to be with our kids. Yeah. And to give them everything she could of herself. Fill my heart with song and let me sing forevermore. You are all I long for, all I worship and adore. In other words, please be true. In other words, I love you. Hi, this is Abigail Johnston. I'm calling in with a remembrance for a dear friend of mine that we lost this year in 2023, and her name was Amanda Raffinod. A lot of people knew Amanda in different ways. In fact, during her memorial service, pretty much everybody who got up talked about how probably everybody in the room, and it was a very packed room, felt that they were Amanda's best friend. She was good at that. She was good at making people feel seen. She was good at making people feel heard. She was good at knowing what to say in a difficult situation. And in true Amanda form, she left words to be read at her service that I would like to share with you now. And it begins, Dear ones, every day, hear me. I'm with you. I'm asking. What do you need? And you get to chase that. What does your heart need? What adventure will you chase? All that we did together, you still get to do now. Chase the adventure and let goodness and love follow you all of your days. God is with you in the wilderness. He will provide a well of water. He will meet you there. Sometimes death the kind that feels too soon, makes you question everything. That's okay. That's a normal part of the human condition. And even better, God can handle every question, every doubt. Wrestle if you need. But also, don't forget what you know. Things that will always be true. You are deeply loved. There is goodness and beauty all around, often even tucked into the hardest of hard spaces. This is not the end. There is so much ahead, goodness ahead. There are people in your life who will be your people, some who you don't even know yet. There are places to go and adventures to chase and your whole beautiful life to live so much ahead. And God will walk with you, step by step, day by day, moment by moment, just as God has done with us since our first day here. I'm with you. My spirit, my heart, my love, that part will never leave you. 
Amanda Raffinad was my friend. She was a friend to so many. Her absence is felt very deeply, and yet we have her example. We have her legacy of looking ahead, looking forward. As she often exhorted all of us, eyes up, lift your eyes up. Lori Patrice Hendren, Karen Kasonic, Kate Summers. Hi, this is Jenny Charlin, and I just wanted to speak about Adina Perullo, who was a good friend of mine who unfortunately passed away from metastatic breast cancer this summer. She was only 39 years old, and she was such a great advocate for teaching people about metastatic breast cancer. She was on TV. She did tons of interviews. She really fought as hard as she possibly could, not just for herself, but for others. And I just find it's so important to continue her message. And that's my goal, to just spread the knowledge, spread the awareness. And we have to keep fighting for a cure or to at least make breast cancer a livable, manageable disease. So no more lives have to be lost, although hers will continue to live on inside my heart. Remembering Kelsey Kronowski and Heather Schultz-Miller. My name is Rod Ritchie. Remembering Libby Wilson, 1984 to 2023. Libby's roar off an unfiltered commentary on her life as a metastatic breast cancer patient on Twitter attracted over 36,000 followers. Unlike many patients, none of the available treatments really worked for Libby. Over the five years she lived with the disease, Libby was rearing a young child, Violet. Making memories for Violet became her obsession and a big part of her fractured, medically dominated life. Libby's posts were so often heartbreaking and the pain and suffering she endured was palpable. Libby has finally found peace, but her shadow looms large over those who accepted her for what she was, a desperate, incurable woman with a load of charisma and loving charm. Rest in peace, Libby. When Death Comes by Mary Oliver When death comes like the hungry bear in autumn When death comes and takes all the bright coins from his purse to buy me and snaps the purse shut When death comes like the measle pox When death comes like an iceberg between the shoulder blades I want to step through the door full of curiosity wondering What is it going to be like, that cottage of darkness? And therefore, I look upon everything as a brotherhood and a sisterhood, and I look upon time as no more than an idea, and I consider eternity as another possibility, and I think of each life as a flower, as common as a field daisy, and as singular, and each name a comfortable music in the mouth, tending as all music does toward silence, and each body a lion of courage and something precious to the earth. When it's over, I want to say all my life I was a bride married to amazement. I was the bridegroom taking the world into my arms. When it's over, I don't want to wonder if I have made of my life something particular and real. I don't want to find myself sighing and frightened or full of argument. I don't want to end up simply having visited this world. Amy Lohman, Morgan Dora.
My name is Sharon Spencer Schlesinger, and I knew Dikla Benzivi for over 15 years. We met in Washington, D.C. at a Lobby Day event for breast cancer where we shared a taxi. I naively asked Dikla about metastatic breast cancer. That conversation lasted until the end of Dikla's life on April 7, 2023. The Dikla most people were aware of was a valiant woman who spoke, won awards, was interviewed, honored, and admired. She was diagnosed with MBC in 2002 when she was 32 after losing her mother to the same disease when she was a teenager. Over the next 20 years, Dikla kept track of what it took to keep her alive, publishing a cumulative list of treatments, trials, and medications annually. The list was frightening in its astonishing and relentless magnitude. Yet it was not an unusual list for a metastatic breast cancer patient who lived as long as Dikla. There aren't many outliers that live for 20 years, and she became the lodestone for others who lined up behind her, trusting her to tell them where to step to avoid the downward spiral that always had the same ending. This is the backstory many people are aware of. What I want to talk about is the essence of Dekla. What made her Dekla? and who she was. Dikla's mantra for as long as I knew her was, I have to do this. Once an objective was decided upon, no matter how difficult it looked at the outset, she would take one step at a time toward her goal and overcome each barrier one after another. Her quiet confidence inspired countless others. She made it look easy. The beautiful swan gliding by effortlessly while paddling ferociously under the water. I never saw her angry, never without her composure or her natural grace and elegance. And her humor, Dikla could be a very funny lady. Unfortunately, Dickla's whole story will never be written because she didn't advertise her commitment to every other woman with breast cancer who was fortunate to meet her. She didn't keep a list of all the women she counseled, comforted, and consoled. She didn't keep a list of every person she visited in their last hours. No matter how difficult it may have been for Dikla to constantly be reminded of her future, she always said, I have to do this. Hi, this is Abigail Johnston. And I wanted to remember some women that joined a support group that my dad and I have been moderating for the past several years. This support group is through the 305 Pink Pack in Miami, and we called it Coping in a Crisis because we started during COVID. And there were a few women who had joined us since 2020, so for several years, and they've passed away. Their names are Eileen Fitzgerald, Stacy Hundley, Charlene Kozloff, Beth Moran, Zilka Pfluger. These women were with me during the highs and lows of my own NBC experience. They shared generously of their own experiences, of their lives, their compassion, their empathy, their gentleness, their humor, and sometimes with a swift kick in the pants. That was Zilka. And all of these women will be remembered by those of us who knew them in this NBC experience, by their families, by their many, many, many friends, and many people whose lives were changed because of knowing them.
I will miss them all dearly and will never let their names be forgotten because they were here and they made a difference and they were loved. I'm Dara Finkelstein and I would like to remember my dear friend Charlene Kozloff. When I first began the Charlotte Metzger's support group four years ago, Charlene was one of our first members. Her calming demeanor was such an asset to the group. I always told her that I wanted to just carry her along in my pocket because she would just exude that peace and calmness. She left us way too soon, and we are truly going to miss her. Tiffany O'Donnell. Dee Dee Schiller. Claire Cavoto. Kate Fitzer and I facilitate two MBC support groups through SHARE. Our Monday group has been around for three years, and every person in it has become a lot more than a mere group participant. We care about each other and worry when one of us has not been to the group for a few weeks. In 2023, two of our members were taken from us. Their deaths have affected all of us, and we felt this loss acutely. Geraldine Moynihan, or Jerry, as we called her, was born and raised in Dublin, Ireland, and moved to the U.S. in 1987. Jerry has joined our group in the early days. By then, she had been living with NBC for a number of years. She had had brain meds, and either that or the radiation treatments had greatly diminished her eyesight and made her world small. As an outgoing and gregarious woman with a uniquely Irish gift of gab, she was no longer able to do the things she really loved travel, write, and read books. She never gave up and never lost her sense of humor. In the last year of her life, she was too tired to come every week and was clear about what was happening. Jerry passed away on March 26th at the age of 65. It was incredibly hard saying goodbye to Paula Marcissac who died at the age of 82 on January 30th, 2023. Kate and I felt that Paula had been our success story and a testament to the importance of support groups. The first time Paula came to our group, she told us that her only daughter had died from ovarian cancer a few years earlier. She never sees her grandchildren. She's all alone and in constant debilitating pain from arthritis and she has no reason to go on living. I guess she liked us well enough to keep coming back. She stopped thinking about dying and concentrated on living. She met friends for lunch, visited her grandchildren in Boston, celebrated holidays with her sister and nephew. Paula was a beautiful woman. She looked so much like Lauren Bicol. She was a retired CPA, who did not suffer fools lightly. She had a lively sense of humor, liked to tell jokes, especially this one. Three mice go to heaven and meet St. Peter at the gate. St. Peter says, Since you are God's precious creatures, I'm authorized to give each of you a wish. One mouse speaks up for the group and says, all our lives we lived in this building with hardwood floors and were chased all day long by this mean cat. We would love it if we could each have a set of all estates. So St. Peter says, so it shall be done. And each of the mice was led into heaven with its own set of roller skates. Then a cat dies and goes to heaven. And St. Peter again says, you are God's precious creation, and before you enter, I grant you one wish. The cat replies, well, I lived in a building with these hardwood floors, which were very, very uncomfortable to sleep on. Could I have a nice, big, satin pillow? So it shall be, St. Peter says, 
and lets the cat into heaven with his new pillow. A week later, Jesus visits the cat. And how are you enjoying the heavenly kingdom? He asks. The cat replies, Oh, it's wonderful. This mansion is beautiful. My room is immaculate. This pillow is beyond luxurious. But my favorite part about heaven has to be those meals on wheels you keep sending me. Death is a fact of life. And as we say goodbye to our embassy friends, we cannot forget our family and non-cancer friends. I would like to mention a sister of one of our group members who passed away from triple negative metastatic breast cancer. Susan Wolf, also known as Suan McMakin, passed away on Sunday, September 10th, 2023, at the age of 83. She was a remarkable person, an artist and a lawyer, a trailblazer as one of the first women to serve in the JAG Corp, and was on active duty during Operation Desert Storm. Throughout her life of service, Susan received many military awards. She retired from the military as a colonel in 1999 after 27 years of service. During our 2022 We Remember episode, Silky Fluger shared how she remembered those we have lost in 2022 during the annual Burning Man event, a particular favorite of hers. Here's what she said. Hi guys, this is Silke. I was told by Abigail that you are doing a piece on the people that we lost in the last year. So she encouraged me to share something about Burning Man. It's not like a festival. It has a lot of spirituality with it. And the part of the physical Burning Man that probably shows it the most is the temple. It's typically the largest structure on the playa, and it gets burned the day after the man. So it's the absolutely very last thing that happens before it ends. And people put memories of their loved ones in there or just apologies to somebody they have wronged. I had donated to the building of the temple and I had this flag and I didn't know what to do with it since I first received it two years ago. And then it came to me. It's all about the people we lost. So I went on Twitter and I asked people to share who they lost to cancer since the last Burning Man three years ago. And we found a place where we could hang the flag. And it was actually near a big piece of cardboard or wood or tarp where it said, fuck cancer and the names of so many more people. It all went up there and it was burned the Sunday before Labor Day. And it's supposed to bring closure. Okay. Take care, all of you. Love each other. And yeah. Do with it what you want. We lost Silky at the end of 2022. Only a few months after her recording, she died on December 31st. Silky had been a member of Abigail Johnston's NBC support group. As Abigail wrote in her wonderful blog, No Half Measures, Silky had a variety of passions, from her knitting to drinking good wine to travel to animals who loved to eat from her hands. And she shared all of those things with us. We joked about how often Silky called into our support group from various countries as she prioritized her love of travel. From Silky, I learned a lot about adventure, my word for 2023 in her honor, and doing all the things that feed my soul. While each person is so individual and has an impact on each of us their own way, there are people who leave an indelible mark. One such person died at the end of last year, Christine McVie, the singer, songwriter, and keyboardist 
the biggest hit maker for Fleetwood Mac, died on November 30th, 2022, from the complications from metastatic cancer of unknown origin. She is survived by her brother and nephew, dozens of hits, millions of fans around the world, and my most beloved song, Songbird. We began this episode with a few scary numbers. We told you that each day, 117 people die from metastatic breast cancer. Some of you may already be aware that yesterday, a beautiful soul was stolen by stage four breast cancer. Once again, our hearts are broken over a loss of a friend. Rest in peace, dear Anne. My name is Christine Benjamin, and I would like to say a few words about Anne Lozier. Anne was diagnosed with MBC in 2011, which is when I began working for SHARE, building the metastatic breast cancer support and education program. I don't remember exactly when our paths crossed, but I knew instantly that Anne was a force. She was kind, thoughtful, passionate, exceedingly competent, and she was a visionary. Anne gave her time graciously and mentored me and others. During my time as chair of the Metastatic Breast Cancer Alliance, Anne sometimes gently, and other times maybe not so gently, offered her thoughts, her ideas, her opinions to help guide the direction of the work of the Alliance. Anne was driven and determined to help others learn about MBC, and so she wrote a book called The Insider's Guide to Metastatic Breast Cancer, and she shared that book widely. Anne also founded the Patient-Centered Dosing Initiative, where she challenged the paradigm that higher cancer drug doses are more effective than lower doses. She presented findings from a patient study she created at ASCO, something that, as a patient, is not a usual occurrence. Anne could always be counted on for her honesty, her willingness to help, her determination, and her ability to form deep and meaningful relationships. Anne accomplished so much as an NBC advocate and helped so many people, more than she will ever know. In Lieu of Flowers by Shauna LeMay. Although I love flowers very much, I won't see them when I'm gone. So in Lieu of Flowers, buy a book of poetry written by someone still alive. Sit outside with a cup of tea, a glass of wine, and read it out loud by yourself or to someone or silently. Spend some time with a single flower, a rose maybe. Smell it, touch the petals, really look at it. Drink a nice bottle of wine with someone you love, or champagne. And think of what John Maynard Keynes said, my only regret in life is that I did not drink more champagne. Or what Dom Perignon said when he first tasted this stuff, come quickly, I am tasting stars. Take out a paint set and lay down some colors. Watch birds. Common sparrows are fine. Pigeons, too. Geese are nice. Robins. In lieu of flowers, walk in the trees and watch the light fall into it. Eat an apple, a really nice big one. I hope it's crisp. Have a long soak in the bathtub with candles, maybe some rose petals. Sit on the front stoop and watch the clouds. Have a dish of strawberry ice cream in my name. If it's winter, have a cup of hot chocolate outside for me. If it's summer, a big glass of ice water. If it's autumn, 
Collect some leaves and press them in a book you love. I'd like that. Sit and look out a window and write down what you see. Write some other things down. In lieu of flowers, I would wish for you to flower. I would wish for you to blossom, to open, to be beautiful. For listening. The introduction poem, Immortality, was written by Claire Harner and published in The Gypsy, December 1934. I would like to thank Nancy Roylands, Abigail Johnston, Janice Cowden, Kelly Shanahan, Rod Ritchie, Dr. Ellen Landsberger, and all who contributed to this Remembrance episode. We are grateful and honored to include your voice and your memories of all those lost to NBC this past year. This episode was produced by me, Kate Vieira Fitzer, Miranda Gonzalez, and executive producer Victoria Goldberg. The original music and sound design by Connor Kinsley. I would also like to thank our executive producer, Christine Benjamin, Vice President of Patient Support and Education at Shared Cancer Support. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Check out our blog and full episode notes on rmbclife.org and follow us on social media. 